0: Hey, my name is Doc Williams from Brand Factory, Inc., and you're listening to Codeless.
1: I'm trying to build an automated newsletter around the idea of sending one affirmation, one inspirational quote, and one random act of kindness to close the loop.
2: I would say for like very new people, Zapier, Card, and Airtable are the the three that I would say to get started with. I
3: have to say Drew Riley. I really want you to pick his brains and like have a glimpse into the
0: future. People get so overwhelmed by tools. They need to stop and write things down on a piece of paper.
1: I feel like Brian Kimmel is the right person because you've interviewed so many people, I feel like that's the next step.
0: It doesn't have to be
4: the most perfect technical thing. It just needs to be the first iteration of whatever it is that you're doing.
5: Welcome back. This is episode 15B, the second part of a two part series focused on five makers taking part in the 100 days of no code challenge, which started on Twitter. If you haven't listened to episode 15A, you should probably go start there, but you can still follow along here. So what is the 100 days of no code? Well, it's really simple. All you have to do is three things. First, you commit to the challenge by signing up at 100daysofnocode.com. Then you publicly tweet that commitment. And lastly, for every day for the next 100 days, you spend at least 30 minutes a day doing anything related to no code and just tweet about it. You could be watching a tutorial or practicing some of your Airtable and mailer light skills. It doesn't matter. If I've learned one thing from these makers, it's the lesson that collaborative learning supported by the requirement of doing is the smartest hack to learn a new skill. If you're having trouble learning that new skill you always wanted to add to your resume, find a group of people focused on practicing that thing Every day. And if you can't find a group like the 100 Days of No Code, be like Max Haining and create a stage for other actors and members to come play out their best scenes. Create your own challenge. Be a platform builder like Shareth. You can sign up for the 100 Days of No Code challenge at 100daysofnocode.com. Okay. Let's get on with the rest of the jam session. Enjoy. I want to stay on you, James. My name is James and
4: I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm currently taking part in the 100 Days of No Code Challenge on Twitter. My handle is at Jeldes, that's J-E-L-D-E-E-Z.
5: You mentioned something about coming into No Code and the challenge between funds to do it and the time in which to do so. Mm -hmm. How has the answer to that changed for you with no code, especially regarding the fact that there are so many tools out there and everyone's going to this subscription business model. How have you found a way to figure that out, especially the monetary aspect, as well as the amount of time you're putting into these tools?
4: This is what I have found. Probably for the first month or so of learning about no code, I was spending so much time researching all these different tools and signing up for free trials and whatnot. I think it takes a good month to take a look at all these tools and to find the ones that really fit with you and to find out what other tools people are using. That's why Twitter is so great because you can get a wealth of information about the tools that other season no code makers are using and then also just asking people questions of hey i'm looking to build this what should i use so i think as far as the cost you're right you can get in pretty deep if you are subscribing to all these things but that's why i would recommend doing as many free trials as possible there's also a lot of deals out there to be had on on products and if you search for them ask around There's a lot of 50% off deals. There's some that are free premium trials for a longer um, duration, but I think it really would be good for anybody getting into the space to just spend some time learning about the tools. And I think you will come to the realization which tools are going to be best for the types of ideas that you have. As far as the time and money that it, it takes to to build an idea, I think before I learned about no-code, I'd have all these ideas, but I would think to myself, the only way that I'm going to be able to build this idea is if I found a tech co-founder or I paid somebody to to build it for me. And that's cost prohibitive. It takes a lot of time. And I also feel like if you're doing that, you're kind of all in on it, right? So that's another thing that I really like about the no-code movement is You're not as emotionally attached to ideas because you're not spending as much time or money on these ideas. So if you spend a couple weeks building something and nobody likes it, who cares? Move on to the next one. But if you spent a year of your life building something and your life savings because you thought it was such a great idea and that flops, I mean, you're not feeling so good after that. I think that's one of the great values is the speed and how inexpensive it is to build things. You don't want to subscribe to every single tool. Spend some time learning about them before you purchase.
5: Hey, just a quick FYI for a shameless plug. Make a note to listen to episode 11 later on. You can get some awesome deals for no code and SaaS tools by going to joinsecret.com and using the code CODELESS in all caps when you're signing up. You'll get a free year of the premium subscription with access to no-code tools like Airtable, Bubble, Typeform, SendGrid, and so on. Codeless does not get compensated for this recommendation. We just love the value and wanna help you on your journey. Software can get really expensive. So check out episode 11 with Jean-Lou to hear about Joint Secret the candy store for no-code and SaaS tools. All right, let's get back to it. All right, we're going to talk to the tool master.
0: Hello, my name is Doc Williams, founder of Brand Factory Inc, and I am a solution architect. I'm located right outside DC. That's our home base and the home of Brand Factory.
5: There's so many tools out there, Doc. If I wanted to finish a hundred dozen of no-code with a slam dunk of having achieved what's the easiest tool I can start to learn and get proficient in the shortest amount of time? But to be honest,
0: to tell you the truth, the best tool, and this is going to seem so, like, I can't believe he's given this answer. People get so overwhelmed by tools. They need to stop and write things down on a piece of paper of what they're trying to create. Like the A point and the B point and the functions of what they need to get done. Find the tool that does exactly what you're talking about. Like don't listen to everyone that's on bubble or on this, or on that. They're all great tools, but you know, you're going to get a bias of that tool because that community or person loves that tool. You need to put blinders on and just get down to it. And then once you understand and the functionality is there, then just go heavy into that tool and knock it out. You'll be successful.
5: All right. I got to press you though. Here's the thing. (laughs) I don't have a business. I'm a noob. I'm interested in all sorts of things. And now I'm interested in no code. If I was going to get a feather in my cap and learn something, what would be the easiest thing to be proficient in the shortest amount of time?
0: Okay. So I would use two different things. I'd probably say Zapier and paper form. And I know people are like, what in the world? Paperform. Let me tell you something. Paperform is one of the best form building platforms on the planet right now. They have webhooks, APIs for days, and I've built apps in minutes with that platform. So Zapier, because you can just take one and the other and connect it. I feel like if you understood the functionality of what Zapier could do, Even like shout out to Michael Gill, like like when he put his automated email, I didn't know anything about databases that Zapier could do. I was like, my God, like I didn't even know you could do all those things with creating um, newsletters. So Zapier would be the platform to do it. If you need some kind of builder or need to do logic based things, Paperform can do all of those things. Max, what would you say? Hi, I'm Max, the creator of the 100 Days
3: of No-Code Challenge it would be great if you could come on this journey with me just to go back to the the last question around like cost and stuff I think with bubble I think not only have I like (laughs) picked that as like the tool because of its functionality but that functionality means that it's going to be more cost effective for me in the long term to be on that platform because it just has that breadth and depth of like functionality that other tools don't have so that's why I picked Bubble, and, and I like deep diving into that for 100 days. Yeah, that's, that's all I'd have to say on
5: that one. Sharath, what do you have to say on this?
1: Hey, guys, uh, this is Sharath. I'm passionate about startups, habits, gratitude, and happiness. Oh, man, it's a tricky question. So I would say if you have an idea around curation, around collection, I would say Card more than Webflow because Webflow has some learning curve, you can build a card template or a website in less than an hour, but when it comes to functionality, having profiles, more of like a functional features, I would say at least to my knowledge, bubble is the best platform out there. I know it's not the beautiful platforms. Like you can make card like templates, which are more UI based. If you're a design centric guy like me, I find myself struggling with bubble, but Again, at the end of the day, it's about shipping your idea. So don't dwell too much on the details, but coming to the cost point, I feel like Doc said, try experimenting with these tools and you'll get comfortable with one or the other. Just pick that and ship your next idea. That's what I did with Card. So I did a lot of experiments with a lot of tools, but I found myself comfortable using Card and I shipped three products out of it. So I I want to know what Naya thinks about tools that she uses.
2: Well, I'm Naya and I've worked in tech for about 10 years now. I'm also going to talk about the cost aspect and advice for newbies. So I really have to go along with what Doc said. As someone who has been using no cult tools for a while and watching many new people come into this space. I think everyone gets so hooked up on what tools to use. And I see so many people waste so much time on the tools and asking around, like, what's the best thing to use versus, like, actually planning out what they want to do. So I tweeted about this maybe about, like, two months ago. I built a self-quantified chatbot with Typeform, and it literally took me less than... 25, 30 minutes just to build it, but that's only because I already had the whole plan and the system and logics written out. So I knew what logics I wanted to use. I knew that if I clicked this button, that that would lead to X or it will lead to Z. So I think that's where new people get caught up, not doing the actual planning and trying to figure out what is exactly that you want to build, but also think about your audience. So I think those are things that you have to really kind of think about first before you even think about what tool to to, to use. And then I would say for like very new people, Zapier, Card, and Airtable are the, the three that I would say to get started with. Because as someone who can code, I love Webflow. I love it, love it, love it. But when they first came out, like I actually had a little bit of a hard time understanding how to navigate it. So those are my tools, I would say, to, to get started. But when it comes to cost, though, so here's the thing. So last year, I was very open um, about my life, and I mentioned that I had a startup that I was working on, and pretty much like things got really rough for me financially. So when I kind of got deeper into the no-code space, I really feel like so many of the tools like when you stack them all together can get really expensive. So the way that I choose like how to use tools when it comes to cost is like how quickly can I get this done and how well do I know this tool? I feel like time and money play a big part into like how to choose what tools to to use and also your technical background. But, James, uh, you're also an entrepreneur, so, and you mentioned that you don't have a technical background, so I'll be interested in hearing your recommendations.
4: Thanks for asking. I think the absolute simplest tool to use for someone starting out would be Glide Apps. They have a ton of great tutorials. All you're using is a Google Sheet for your data, you just need to know how to structure your data and how to manipulate that data within the platform. But I just think that that's a super simple one to start with. I think another way to kind of back into what tool you might want to use and what tool is simple is to watch video tutorials of people actually building something. Go on YouTube or wherever you might find these tutorials and see how long it takes these people to build whatever it is that they're building, right? So say you're watching a Webflow tutorial and it's two hours long and they're building really cool site. That's that's two hours of building for somebody that knows Webflow really well. Or you go on and you watch somebody build a site on card in like five to 10 minutes and you realize how powerful and simple that platform is. And not to take away from Webflow, I'm learning that right now, but as far as simplicity, like to build a landing page or I mean, even an a site with a number of pages card is just just amazing and i think from an entrepreneurial aspect what's going to be the quickest simplest least expensive way to get something out there to test it right you want to get something out there quick you want it to look great but you're you're testing it with your first audience it doesn't have to be the most perfect technical thing it just needs to be the first iteration of whatever it is that you're doing
5: Thanks, James. Sharath, what are you working on right now that you'd love to tell people about and probably get support and feedback in the near future?
1: I'm actually involved in multiple things, which sort of like stopping me to ship, which is against my philosophy. So I'm trying to build an automated newsletter around the idea of sending one affirmation, one inspirational quote, and one random act of kindness to close the loop. So it's pretty simple and pretty doable. So I'm trying to learn automation. Thanks to Michael Gill, I'm trying to like integrate Zapier or Integromat with newsletter uh, tools like uh, ConvertKit or MailerLite. So that's where I am right now, that is one of the idea which I wanted to ship. I would love to like hear people like chip in, like give feedback. I'm also thinking to, create an app around it. I want to know what Naya is building right now because I know what Max is building. I know what Doc is building. I want to know what Naya is building.
2: So I'm working on a couple of different things. First of all, I was affected by COVID. The company that I was working for just laid off everyone like two weeks ago, but it ends up being pretty okay for me because now I'm like spending this time picking up projects that I, I left off, but also helping out in like a couple of different communities. I've also kind of like revamping a lot of my system. So right now, I don't really spend a lot anyway when it comes to no cold tools, but I'm scaling back even more right now because I just don't know what the future holds. So for the Black women in 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 tech community that I run, we've been hosting a lot more events and workshops recently. And previously, I could handle everything by myself in Slack. But now, like, we've been having people from, like, all over ask, can they come join? So it's been really hard to, like, manage events. So I created a system this weekend where basically I create the event. And from there, it kind of trickles um through a couple of different softwares and then into Slack. I've just spent all of today sharing it with some people saying, hey, like, if you're looking for a way to, like, manage your virtual events, this is what I've uh, created. So... As I'm revamping, I'm also sharing what I'm doing so others can learn from it. Max, I love to hear what you have to say.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess I couldn't pass up the opportunity to speak about 100 days of no code. Basically, I'm just trying to grow the community, really. I'm trying to explore, at the moment, ways to add value to people. Because I realize that we're a community of people that are learning and are not, per se, experts. So I'm looking at ways of how you can outsource that community to maybe different sort of expert orientated places that can answer the questions that challenges have. So that's one thing I'm looking at and just looking at also around the habit building of this challenge and how that fits into to helping challenges. So looking at like trackers and whether there can be some form of like site or platform where eventually uh, challenges can can interact with other challenges and track their progress and see what others are learning like integrated version of what is Twitter at the moment and then my second project that I'd like to briefly like touch on is I'm trying to build an online pay it forward running community whereby runners can gift other runners gear and this is something that I think is really interesting, especially at this time and this current climate, because every in-person like sporting contact has been effectively taken away. So I'm looking at how gifting gear can be used as a mechanism to incentivize and hold other runners accountable. So that's another platform
4: I'm trying to build and that's called Pass the James, I'd love to hear what you're working on. (laughs) So one thing that I find myself thinking about with ideas is around niche communities. And I think no code is so good for ideas that are geared towards niche communities, because it would allow you to build things that might not otherwise get built. Because the niche community, a lot of times it has to do with a smaller number of people where there might not be an opportunity to make enough money to cover the cost of developing it traditionally. So developing things or coming up, up with ideas that are geared towards niche communities is kind of a passion of mine. And one of the things that I'm most passionate about, as far, at least recreationally, is fly fishing. And so I'm developing something for the fly fishing community. And I think the first iteration of that is going to be an automated newsletter, a la Michael Gill's No-Code Coffee. A lot of my ideas don't necessarily revolve around tech or people that might use tech. I think what's great about building things for those people is that these things might not have otherwise gotten built if it wasn't for no code tools, just due to the time and the costs involved in um, developing it in a traditional way. And I also have found that some of the ideas that I was working on, they're kind of up in the air as far as what they are due to the COVID 19 situation. I have one that I'm working on called wherework.co, and it was going to be something geared around where it is that people are working remotely coffee shops, libraries, hotels, any of these types of things. But what it's really changed the way that I think about it because you know, you don't know, are people going to be choosing just to work from home as opposed to going out to work somewhere remotely? And what does that look like? So it's, uh, I think that there's still something there, but it, it may kind of pivot to to something a little bit different due to the, the situation right now. I wouldn't necessarily throw away an idea because of the changing landscape. I think there's a lot of opportunities to pivot, but it may just take some time to see where things are going to and now I'd like to throw it over to doc.
0: What are you working on doc? First of all, James, thanks for throwing me that question. So this came out of the hundred days of no code. I, I make a lot of videos and so documenting what I was doing. A lot of people were telling me like, Hey, that's interesting that you show your process or you're learning how to do these things in real time. And so build with me is kind of just started like that started like 12 days after doing hundred days of no code with the crew. And that's kind of taken a life on its own. And now I'm getting requests. People want to do a 24-hour hackathon in no-code space. I thought that was pretty cool at the end of the 40 days, just to do something like that. So in short, Build With Me is a project where I'm just doing what I do normally in my day job of reviewing AppSumo tools. But, and I'm just building it in real time of how I'd build a business totally out. And that's been really interesting. And also too... I haven't figured it out yet, but I work with a lot of streamers and esports teams, and I just see a huge opportunity with streamers. Their engagement has gone up 900% since COVID 19. Like there's just so much attention with people watching. I just haven't figured out how I'm gonna turn that into a product or service for streamers. So that's what's on the horizon for me.
5: Good. All right. We are literally wrapping up. So we're gonna do kind of a quick fire. Two questions. First question is Who should I invite on Codeless? And number two, What's a question that I didn't ask you that you wish I did? I'm gonna start with Doc.
0: So, the person that I would want to see on Codeless, I was like, Listen, everyone's going tech space. I want Mark Cuban on the show. Yeah, that's the new bar. Mark Cuban, I want him on the show. And if anyone doesn't know who that is, that is the, basically, he owns the Dallas Mavericks. He's on Shark Tank, but he's done a lot in tech before. He's a pretty interesting dude. Like, although his interviews, he can be pretty brash. If you've seen like his sit downs, especially with like Chase Jarvis, he's probably one of my favorite tech founders. So Chase Jarvis, he is the co-founder of Creative Live, which is one of my favorite educational um, platforms. And then Mark Cuban was on that. Uh, but yeah, if you can get him on the show, I, I'd love that. Uh, The question I was going to say, probably either you can ask me my very first business, or you can say the weirdest business that I've ever done. Either one. It's up to you.
5: All right. So I'm going to ask it. what's the weirdest business you've ever started?
0: Crime scene cleaning business. What? Crime scene cleaning. We haven't talked about this. (laughs) No, but like... (laughs) No, but like in 2012, I was watching some documentary and they're like, crime sceneing. like that's going to be the next big thing. I was like, well, I'm going to get my cert. And so I got my license in crime scene cleaning. I have all of my hazmat suits and everything. And like, I, anyway, that's a whole issue why it didn't work out. But Naya, what you got?
2: So I spend most of my time listening to, to podcasts. And actually I had realized that Chris Dancy was already on the podcast, but he's probably like the number one person that I would have liked to to hear on here. So my two people is Tanya Sam. For any of you who might watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta, she is a housewife on a, a, a reality TV show and she's heavily into the tech space, but it's not very advertised on TV, but she does a lot of work for women that are in tech. And she actually has this fund in Georgia. So helping women entrepreneurs that are in tech. So Tanya Sam and the Reddit founder. So anyway, those are my two people. Honestly, I think that you asked all the right questions. Maybe perhaps like where do we see no code going in 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 terms of like the IT space? I don't think many people realize like how IT people use a lot of these no-code tools and whether the IT role will even be here in the future or or whether the office manager role will be here in the future. Because there might be just one operations person who knows how to use Airtable and how to do onboarding, offboard, and X, Y, and Z. So maybe that's something that you can ask anything about like IT and no-code and what, what the future is.
5: All right, Max, who should I bring on Codeless? And what's a question you wish I asked that I didn't?
2: So I have to say, Drew
3: Riley, I really want you to pick his brains and like have a glimpse into the future. Yeah. Just the last like three weeks of like, from when I came aware of his uh, Trends VC, I've just been giddily like awaiting that to like arrive in my, in my inbox every week. <laughs> so that would be really fascinating if possible. And then what was the question? Oh yeah. What question would you, yeah. So probably... How do I feel now compared to how I felt when I started the 100 days?
5: So go ahead. How do you feel now compared to when you started 100 days of no code?
3: Sure. So I think when I started, I felt like a little bit of an imposter in the like, like the space. Like I felt like I read everything about it, knew lots about it without actually knowing anything about the crucial ingredient, which is like being able to build. So... I feel like now building in no code is like less theoretical for me now. And it's more tangible, even though like, yeah, I can't build whatever I want yet. I feel like that state or that position is closer. So, yeah, that's, that's how I'm feeling. And, and it's, it always goes back to that like James Clear quote of like, it's not about your current like state.
1: It's about the trajectory you're on or something like that.
5: Sharath who should we invite on Codeless?
1: Oh man so I would say you need to target no code interested VC now that people are like building startups out of no code products. I feel like Brianne Kimmel is the right person because she's one of the awesome VC out there who always supports no code and no code makers. She's very interested in this community. I feel like you can bring that new flavor the podcast. Now that you've interviewed so many makers and so many people, I feel like that's the next step.
5: All right, you good. Know? The last person that needs to answer this question is James, and then we'll, we'll close out.
4: Well, Max, you stole my thunder. I was going to say, hands down, Drew Riley, because uh, Drew's uh, become a, a good friend, but he's also just ahead of his time. at Trends.vc is his uh, newsletter, and um, he's got a lot of great things to say, but on equal par, I would say Kieran Ball from No Code Life. I've interacted with Kieran a number of times and I think that he would be fantastic to have on the podcast. And as far as a question that you haven't asked me, I guess, what are my goals with No
5: Code? That's a good one. Go ahead.
4: I don't remember when exactly I wrote this down, but somewhere I put it in my notion of no code goals. And I think I was thinking for 2020 is to ship five to seven products using no code tools. And I would like at least two of those to be revenue generating by the end of the
5: year. Wow. That's great. I really wish you the best in achieving that. I want to thank all of you for taking your time to come on Codeless and Talk with me about your journey and your perspective. I really enjoyed it. I just want to say, on behalf of all the listeners, we're so thankful for you taking the time to do this and you've inspired countless people already. Look forward to talking to you again soon. All All right. right. Thanks.
0: Thanks. Nice to see everyone. Stay healthy, everyone.
5: All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Have a good night, guys. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. That's it for episode 15. We hope you enjoyed both parts of this jam session with makers in the 100 days of no code challenge. Come back on Friday for another episode. And don't forget to stick around after the closing credits for some thoughts and predictions. Please rate and review us on your favorite listening platform. It helps us get discovered by more people who want to unlock creativity and accelerate transformation. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube through the Codeless podcast handle. Just search for the words Codeless and podcast and you can't miss us. All music provided through the appropriate licensing and permissions. Big thanks for the music to Steph Skilly, Bobby Oddsock, R Mark 1313, Raising Sounds, and Prod.NoCredit. You can find more information and links in the show notes.
2: I've seen it grow from automation to now folks who know the basics of HTML, CSS are able to visually create websites with tools like Webflow and Bubble and they're able to get these websites up and running very quickly and entrepreneurs are able to create their MVP without raising any kind of funding. So I've definitely seen how it has changed for entrepreneurs, for IT people and folks who may be interested in just building visually all together. My prediction for the no-code space in the future is that we will see no-coders and coders integrate more. We will see coders become more comfortable with using no-code tools to automate small processes. Or simple things like their newsletter or curating content. I also think we'll get a lot of folks who are new to no code who will eventually want to learn the back end code of the tools that, that they are using to build visually. So that's how I kind of see things. I see both sides being curious about the other and using both where they seek fit.
0: The impact of no-code over the past decade, that's interesting. I mean, to tell you the truth, I think having a label on it is pretty new, but it's been around for eons of time, right? More than a decade. I think it's been very impactful. For myself, that's how I started in business. I didn't know how to code. I didn't know how to create apps. And no-code tools helped me to get into the digital marketing space and it really changed my entire course in life just by having access and knowing how to do this. The impact that I see going on with no-code for the next decade, I think there's just going to be tons of application. I think you're going to be able to see the benefit of it in the startup world, being able to create iterations and MVPs a lot quicker. And I think general companies will see the benefit of having access to someone being able to mock up and scale very quickly. And for freelancers and developers, I think you're going to be able to do a lot more freelancing and be effective for people to see your dream, see your value very, very rapidly using no code.